the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 55, and our guests are Caitlin Crisco and Aaron Austin of The Broadcast. The Broadcast is the kind of band that you fall in love with from the very first listen. They have an incredible, blistering live set And their records are wonderful as well. Speaking of which, they have a new record coming out on May 1st. It's called Lost My Sight. The song that you're hearing in this episode is the first single from Lost My Sight. And it's called Fighting the Feeling. I had the great honor of catching up with Caitlin and Aaron at the Sea Blues Festival in Clearwater, Florida. Way back in February, which seems like forever ago now. We are right in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. And I'm going to try to release as many episodes as I can right now. And it's interesting to see the difference between the conversations I had back in February that we're starting to release and some of the conversations that I'm having now with people. Um, That was a different time. Uh, We knew that it was here, but things weren't shut down. Um, People were just going about their business. I mean, we were at a festival. Um, But it was such a... I'm glad that I have that document because that day was gorgeous. Uh, my great friend Jen Ross is with us, uh, so you may hear her voice in the background or you may hear us um, addressing her during the conversation, and we just had a wonderful time, so it's kind of nice to reminisce. Um, I'm grateful for this document of that time in our history, and I am so grateful. Everyone, my conversation with the broadcast. Trust myself with my beer. <laughs> little John Mayer. Is that? Little John Mayer love. 
I listened to the new record. That song's not on it. And um, <laughs> that's a deep cut, actually. I'm really disappointed. Is that like a hidden track? Like at the end yeah, of Green I think Day's last Dookie? minute his people decided it was like just too <laughs> cerebral for his record, and now it's just a deep cut he and I enjoy with each other. So we're not like podcasting right now. Well, Unless we are, are we? I mean, we're recording just in case because some of the beautiful stuff happens in this moment, and I'm glad I was rolling. <laughs> Hey, John, let's make a record. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we're rolling. I, lo- I do love the new record. I thank you. thank you so much for letting me get an advanced listen to it. And it's wonderful. Um, and so I want to talk about it. I want to talk about how it came together. Sure. And uh, it comes out in May, right? May 1st. May 1st. Right easy the day corner. to remember. It is easy day to remember. Um, so last time i mean it, do you guys just have like a list of incredible producers that you just kind of go through <laughs> one by one <laughs> and work with <laughs> well that's probably a better question for aaron because he's kind of the deep diver of finding those producers for us so uh, i'm gonna uh. <laughs> yeah i would say <clears throat> each record's kind of been a different process and journey with it you know our first record we just reached out to the studio and asked them to offer someone, and we really vibed with Eric, Eric Serafin. And then for From the Horizon, I was like, let's work with someone who has done a lot of work with female rock singers. Ah. So we kind of went through the list, you know, Tedeschi Trucks and Grace Potter, and that's how we found Jim Scott. <coughs> Sent him a demo, and he, like, loved Caitlin's voice. And was that had to feel so good. Yeah, it, was, right. it actually did. It definitely did. Yeah, <laughs> It yeah. felt great. Um, and then most recently uh, with Lost My Sight, it was more of a, you know, we kind of wanted to work with people who were players as well. You know, we wanted to bring that aspect out of our own music. And kind of selfishly, like Tim Lefebvre, who was uh-huh. um, – he was in TTB at the time, but I've actually been following him since I was like 15 years old. Uh-huh. He played with my like guitar idol, Wayne Krantz, who is just one of like the biggest innovators of guitar of the past 20 years, 30 years. He's amazing. And so I basically jumped at the chance he was in town we were like let's hit him up let's slide into his dms on instagram that's how you did it? yeah well it was actually originally it was actually it was it was a, there was an element of sliding into his dms for sure uh-huh. but um we were at red rocks and uh we were seeing tedeschi trucks at their wheels of soul tour <sighs> and oh. we bumped into a friend who randomly had an extra backstage pass Oh. And I was like, give me that pass, girl. Yeah, yeah. And she gave me the pass, and I went backstage. And then everyone is super friendly behind stage at TTB shows. It's very family-friendly. Like, it's got this really good vibe. Everyone's very approachable. It doesn't surprise me, but it's really cool to hear. Super cool. They're you the know? nicest crew They're of people. So They're very kind, amazing awesome. human beings. Yeah, they really major props to them as a, as a unit. But um, I looked at Tim, and we made eye contact, and he was like, hey. And I was like, hey. And I had an excuse to kind of talk to him, a friend of mine, he had just sat in on a session with a friend of mine out in LA. And I was like, oh, you just did a session with a friend of mine. And he was like, oh yeah, I I just did a session with her. And we just started talking and I was like, you should uh, check out some demos of our band. We're about to do another record and we're looking for a producer. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, hit me up, definitely, anytime. And and, you know, it 
we followed up with it. And then Aaron slid into his DMs. That's so wonderful. <laughs> I love this. I love this this millennial uh, story. Yeah, well, because the reality is like the worst. And Aaron and I had conversations about this. Like, what's the worst that happens? They say no. Right. That's it. That's the worst that happens. And then you're like, okay, moving forward. And we've gotten yeah. no's from people before, and that's right. fine. Um, and what was really great was Tim was a yes. And then he was actually listening to our demos while he was on tour with TTV. And Falcon, the drummer, overheard the demos and was like, whoa, who's this? And then Tim awesome. explained the situation. And Falcon was like, I want to I co-produce. Let me jump on board. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask. Like, yeah. that's it. It's, that's something when I, when I think about this show. Like, I just ask. I, yeah. I asked David fucking Byrne, you yeah. know, like what's the worst, you know, maybe David Byrne says yes, right? but he's not going to say yes if I don't try. And I think so often we get, we find ourselves guilty of that sort of like imposter syndrome, right? Where no Absolutely. matter how much you've gotten, uh, how much praise you've received or how much people have said they like what you do, there's always that element of like, well, should I ask the guy who played on Bowie's record? You know, like didn't I know. he play on fucking black star yeah and then he did and then he played on our record yeah oh, which was awesome. crazy he did he actually ended up playing bass on our record um yeah it's crazy it's amazing also it's a reminder that we're really just human beings living on planet earth at the same exact time and yeah you know why not why not ask right yeah and i think sometimes when it's music like you're talking about how you're you that he worked with one of your your guitar idol, right? And so we do that also, I think, at least I do, where I, I put people on a certain pedestal and then, again, feel like maybe I don't belong in that circle, whereas that person is just a normal-ass person who's ridiculously talented, of sure. course, but they still have anxieties and fears and uh, can relate on so many different levels, right? Like, once you finally get backstage at TTB, you realize, whoa, these are normal people, but they don't seem normal when they're up there doing what they do. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, my dad, I got, um, they were super nice and got my dad some backstage passes for a show uh, last summer, and mm. that gave me amazing street cred with my dad. He uh, just thought I was, like, the coolest for getting him tickets and backstage passes, and then what was even cooler was Derek Trucks ended up making him a dark and stormy. <laughs> Oh, whoa. <laughs> my dad still talks about it. He's like, oh, dark and stormies. I love them so much. And I was like, okay, dad. That's great. What is the, when the songs, uh, for, for you guys in your writing process, um, what does that look like? Are, um, are, is one of you writing the lyrics? Are you collaborating? What does it look like? Um, 95% of the time, uh, I'll have a musical idea or our keyboard player Runyon, you know, it's, it's become more and more collaborative as we've uh, moved forward and we'll bring it to Caitlin and she's quick just right mm. off the gate with a melody and usually lyrics come within the next 30 minutes to an hour. And we're actually, I would say we're really cool, really quick with songwriting. Wow. I, not everything's a hit or even good <laughs> but um we do we like to keep it flowing and keep it super open and you know i like uh, runny and i've helped a little bit with lyrics but for the most part it's the band someone in the band will just come up with a groove or something and she'll just throw some lyrics to it and she's very free form kind of flow like it's called stream of consciousness just 
have it come out and then the song like idea kind of forms and the perspective kind of forms um Eric yeah He's really good at one-liners to kind of like the hooks of the song lyrically. You're really good at that stuff. On this last record, he he lended a heavy hand to that stuff. Um, and sometimes I'll kind of like scoot in and suggest different turnarounds or different little arrangements that spice it up a little bit. But um, it's really nice. I love the collaborative energy between Aaron and I, especially because where I lack, he really thrives. Awesome. And vice versa, I think. And through that collaboration, we've kind of rubbed off on each other in exploring the areas of songwriting that maybe we're not used to, you know, controlling or steering. Right. Are so. you, so are you writing that down at all when, when the lyrics are coming? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I've got a journal and like my favorite pen. Pens are very important. So important. I'm serious. That's so real. I almost exclusively write in blue. Yeah, okay. I like, I've never thought about color like that before. That's important. It's a difference. Yeah. Because I feel like with black ink, it ends up, um, it kind of blends in mm. with what with the page or whatever I'm writing on. But with blue, it pops. I love super fine markers and oh. using different colors because I'm a 12-year-old girl in my heart forever. Mm. Um, yeah, I usually have a journal and I write and what's great is Aaron and Runyon when he does, cause he's been doing more co-writing sessions with us, our keyboard player. Um, they're really patient with me if I'm like, just play that same chord for the next 20 minutes <laughs> so I can kink, like work out the kinks in this, in this lyrical section. And they're good about that. So, well, that is awesome. And I, I, I remarked to Jen earlier that like, I, and this is my first time meeting you guys, but uh, I work around musicians a lot and I and work around bands a lot. Everybody in the band just seems so sweet. Like you guys just seem like a really sweet natured group. And I would agree with that. Has yeah. that always been the case? Um, not always, but definitely for a while now, definitely okay. for the past. Yeah. Five years, I would say three, three to five years. Um, I think it comes from a deep sense of sarcasm kind of like, <laughs> Like keeping everyone in check, and uh, you know we like to poke fun at each other in a like fun way. Sure. But yeah, no one takes themselves super seriously. Yeah. And on top of that, like we like to have fun, and you know we've had a lot of experiences with. We've been on the road a lot, and we've been around a lot of less than positive vibes. Right. So we don't ever like to c contribute to that. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, it's interesting that you asked that, or you mentioned this because, um, especially as being the only woman in the group, right. uh, there's a lot of strong male dynamics that I travel with consistently and regularly. And um, recently I noticed how kind everyone in my group is to other people when they meet them. And that's really important to me because um I think that I try to approach my life in that way. And when I'm around other people, especially if I'm making music with them, I want them to, I want us all to represent each other. Um, and sometimes in music environments, there can be this like weird, um, like inflated sense of self or insecurity or just like bad vibes. I don't really know how to explain it, but I'm very proud of our group that I don't think we make people feel that way. Um, That's and awesome. that when people introduce themselves to us, we're very open and receptive and 
you know, open-hearted with everything. Um, Cause we're really, 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 really lucky to do this. Um, I am very conscious of that. I say it all the time. Like for a living, I get to do what I love more than anything else. And people applaud me for it. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what a gift yeah. in this life. Everyone should have that. Like, I think about that sometimes. Like, like my parents don't get applauded. For that we celebrate what we celebrate in American society, in Western society in general, but especially in American society, um, and the things that we ignore. Like, I, I kind of half-heartedly, or not half-heartedly, I kind of like off the cuff said something about how, uh, you know, college or high school kids going into to, to, co- to play college football have these signing days, and it's this big production. And these like 18-year-old kids going to play college football amateur football and there's like a press conference and all this stuff i'm like we should highly sought after teachers should have fucking signing day show up in a brinks truck and shit you know like yeah the 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 idea that we don't celebrate everybody because what you do is incredibly valuable but so is a lot of what everybody else does absolutely no question no question yeah how does that the you mentioned the the strong male dynamic in the band and you being the only female in the band is and maybe this is a question for you too really is that um, does that ever, does that ever play itself out as an imbalance in some way or how, or are you guys conscientious enough of it that you're able to kind of navigate it? Does it ever, has it ever been a challenge for you being the only woman in the band? Not in the group. No, I think sometimes being a woman in the music community and industry can be challenging because there are you know, inarguable imbalances and disparities that are happening that are currently starting to be addressed, which is a really wonderful sign. Um, But within the group of the broadcast, I've always actually felt very respected by all of the men in my group. And, um, you know, like sometimes there's like moments where they get very like, very, what I don't know, like just different than how girls are when they're in a group, but it's really funny. And like, it's really fun to watch the guys interact with each other and like talk about things and make jokes and to just listen to their perspective on things. And it's fun. I feel like a fly on the wall sometimes in like the best of ways. That's great. Yeah. The industry stuff, I think uh, I'm so glad that it's that there is a conversation now because there does seem to be a greater conversation finally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, what I've noticed also is it, it, it seems to be it's sometimes when there's a movement like that, the, the movement happens, people become more aware for a minute, and then it falls off. This feels like the conversation around how women are treated in the music industry and how male-dominated it is, I feel like, but I'm a dude, so maybe I'm wrong, and that's why I'm asking this, is I feel like the conversation is continuing, that, that it, it seems like on a broader scale, it is continuing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely happening, and I think that it's, I think it's because it's men and women who want the balance of masculine and feminine on their festival stages. I think that um, there's there's value to both. And I think that, you know, we want to see the experience of like the divine masculine and the divine feminine on mm-hmm. stage. And it's important to have those experiences from, from both perspectives. And I think that's a desire not only from women audience participants, but also men. I think right. it's a, a full community issue that's starting to be talked about. Yeah, because I think like it's a it's a it's a somewhat false narrative. I think it's so weird to me, especially when and this comes up in country music so much. The idea that country radio it is obviously very true that country radio is dominated by male artists, right? Um, and this, the numbers bear that out. 
Excuse me. But it's just crazy to me that that continues because the audience does want female artists. And it's wild to me that that change hasn't come sooner. Yeah. Like, it's like they're allergic to profit. Right. <laughs> you know? I think with that, I think it's like, you know, you can't pin it down in one certain area. It's not really just festivals or even just radio. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is just people in power um, maybe being more prone to want to help certain male acts. But I think if you look at the charts, almost in every genre of music, like there's just as many women, if not more, especially in pop. True. It's like if you look at Adele and Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish, they've literally been dominating radio for the past seven years or more. Gosh, yeah, probably more. Especially, yeah, yeah. There does seem to be more of a of a participation happening in mainstream music with women. Um, I I just don't see as many women out on the road and on tour. But also, I think that that's like starting to change. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I disagree. Like, we're we're at a festival right now. We're a female way. act. Yeah. There's one right now. There's one playing next. I think it's changing. I yeah. think it's, it's totally. It's just, it's kind of part of this whole movement that's going on. People are just waking up to the fact that it's been like that, yeah. and they're like, hey, I don't actually feel like this. Let's maybe just fix this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good that we're moving in that direction. Um, with the the new record, they there seemed to be at least a couple of songs that felt a little bit um, uh, I don't know if political is the right word, but may perhaps political, <laughs> topical in that way. Was that a, a conscious choice, or is that just I'll say what social? I would say social. social. Yeah, um, I would say social. Yeah, and I think that. Um, we had the pleasure of opening up for Mavis Staples a couple times in the last couple years. And as a Detroit girl, that was a really big moment for me. Um, the Staples sisters are huge in Motown music. And what is so incredible and captivating about Mavis Staples is she's been able to repeatedly talk about really important social issues in her music, but she fills it with so much joy yeah. that it's really inspiring. Wow. It makes you want to do something beautiful in your life. And that was a really big learning lesson for me to really listen to her music and dive into her, even some of her newer material, and to hear you can talk about so much stuff um, and make sure you're saying it in a way that people can hear it. Yeah. And that stuck with me a lot. And um, this new record was very much written in the moment when we wrote it. And there's a lot going on right now in mm. our country and in our world and in our communities. And it, I think it just naturally came out. I don't think it was forced or um, intentional. It was just something that felt really authentic in the moment that we captured and felt right to share. Is that true of your writing generally? I mean, like obviously now is a different time, right? I mean, yeah. now we're also hyper tuned to what's going on. But generally speaking, do you write in the moment like that? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, I definitely think that it's very on the cusp in the moment. What was the word you used? Stream of consciousness? That would be very accurate. 
for the writing style. Like some people I know have that beautiful skill of like, I woke up and had this idea in my head. You do that sometimes. You're like, I had this song idea. And I'm like, how do you do that in your sleep? You know? <laughs> or like I wrote a song in the shower. I'm like, that's incredible. How do you do that? Um, for yeah. me, it's very much just collaborative, sitting down in the moment with someone and having an experience and just feeling through that moment. But you said you journal as well, right? So, so are, are song ideas coming out of that process, or is that just a sometimes thing? less as I get older? Um, the journaling thing, as I've gotten older, um, has waned a little bit as I've mm. gotten older. I don't why. I don't know. I don't know. I guess they say you get less angsty as you get older. Shit. We were just talking about the opposite of that. I feel like I get more. <laughs> um, I feel less angsty. That's great. Do you think I'm less angsty than I used to be? I think so. <laughs> That's a tough one. Answer carefully. Answer carefully. Um, <laughs> Strong male dynamics coming out. <laughs> well, I think maybe I am... Journaling for me when I was younger was a form of meditation. Uh, and I think uh -huh. as I've gotten older, I've found different forms of meditation. It's not that I've fully abandoned journaling, but there's like other ways that I express myself and tap into that intuitive self that aren't necessarily like writing in my journal. Can you share what some of those are? You know, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just like witchy things. Witchy things? Yeah. Tell totally. me more about no witchy way, things. I, I just to. read an article in The Atlantic. <laughs> I'll send it to you after this read an article in the Atlantic about witchy things. Yeah. And it was so fucking interesting. There are as many, uh, I'm going to butcher this statistic, but whatever. Uh, if people can go to the research if they want, there are as many wi witches, like public witches mm -hmm. in the United States as there are Unitarians, like members of Unitarian I churches. Isn't that interesting? Oh yes. My sisters know. And my brothers, too. Yeah. You know, there's a movement. I think there's a movement. There's just a movement toward the intuitive self. I think that there's different tools that people use to get to the same connection with themselves and whatever works. Right. Um, and I think that there's a desire for people to reconnect to the natural world a little bit more. Yep. Um, and there's some really powerful rituals and really powerful things that you can do to connect with the earth and the things around you to, you know, create abundance in your life the person featured in this the witch featured in this article that i read said that everything she's like look everything's magic like we're on this rock hurtling through space yeah. everything is magic yeah and it's such a simple statement but it just kind of blew my mind i was like yeah i guess it is all yeah magic. well even singers like music is magic through vibration right it's just vibration that moves you in a certain emotional way and like I actually even think like what's cool is like mute writing music or even creating art in general yeah. is the closest thing we have to true magic. Mm. Think of you're like creating something out of absolutely it's nothing amazing. and amazing. only you could make it. Yeah. And that's really cool and special. It's incredible. Did you grow up uh, in a spiritual household or anything like that? Mm, not, really. not really. I think I grew up in a pretty open household, but it was pretty, it was like kind of like old school free range parenting, if you will. Oh, okay. You know, like go outside and don't come back until sure dinner or until the street lights turn on. I wonder how much of that though is just a a, a um, generational thing too. Like, you know, violent crime is its lowest point ever, and 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 we have access to so many things now. But like in my neighborhood, there are kids 
all over my neighborhood, right? The neighbor, I live in like a suburban uh, neighborhood in Central Florida, right? Um, single family home kind of things, right? And I never see kids out. And I know they're everywhere. Like if I left when I got home from school, I left and went and played football or basketball or hung out with my friends and got into mischief or whatever. And I do wonder how much that will impact the next generation yeah. of creatives. You know, like how much, what is that, what impact is that gonna have? Um, I mean, yeah, it's without a doubt going to affect them some way. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, them having the Internet and that whole portal to each other is definitely going to affect them. I don't think they're super, you know, it's like maybe they're missing some sort of visceral experience that we had of just being able to get on a bike and go ride for miles and not have like stress or worry or even knowledge of like oh someone can scoop me up right now but um they're also kids are like way smarter than i was i mean i teach lessons on the side and like a lot of the kids that i teach at like 15 16 17 just have this nature that it took me till almost 30 to develop and i think part of that is the exposure to things um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, an interesting question to think about. It's definitely going to affect the next generation of creatives, but I, I guess we won't know. I mean, the art's pretty good right now. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about most music being made right now. Yeah, and so, sure. yeah, I'm yeah. into it. I'm <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's always a question of mine is yeah. what are you consuming right now? So let, like start with music. What, what are you fired up about right now? I mean, I'm like as far as big popular music, I'm very much on the Billie Eilish train. Uh-huh. I think she's amazing. I think their music's amazing. I think Tyler the Creator's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think on much smaller levels right now, Caitlin and I are bumping Neil Francis. Amazing. Which I don't know is Neil like record I've heard in years. Wow. It's really good. It's so good. Let's listen to that yeah. on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> Neil's um, a regular listener to the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's really great. Um Marcus King. Oh god, I love Marcus is King. Amazing. You know what I first saw Marcus King was at um Pisgah Brewing. No cool. Yep, in Black Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. He the I saw JJ Gray and Mofro play there and um after the show, this is when Marcus was first starting out. Yeah. And the Marcus King band played inside Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know how that big outdoor area yeah, yeah. and inside and everybody, JJ always kills it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it was this great show and we're all fired up. And then we went inside and Marcus's band was in there. And I was just, I was standing up front just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who is this young man? <laughs> he was yeah. like 19 then, you know? It's unbelievable. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I met him. I think he was 13 at the time. And we had a gig on Monday nights in Asheville and his dad would drive him up. It was school nights. He'd go in, get X's on his hand. And I'll never forget. I mean, I'll literally never forget. I had just met him. We're playing our show. And then, you know, the band leader looks to him to take a solo. And like, it was just mind blowing. I hadn't even started playing guitar until I was 15 and right. he was 13 at the time. And like he finishes the solo and like 
literally like I look out in the audience and like everyone starts laughing because it was just so jaw dropping yeah. that we all like laughed at it because yeah. it was just it was funny that it was like that good coming out of this he was still had his baby face and he was still so little yeah and yeah I mean he's had it like whatever you would call it right since the beginning <laughs> yeah um some of the female artists that I'm really digging on right now um I love um Emily King her music is incredible mm. she's got a record out called the switch that was one of my favorite records I think in 2018 when it came out and okay. to this day she's the best live singer I've ever seen in my life it's unbelievable wow she's like Type really race. on a whole other level of vocal prowess and it was very deeply inspiring to watch live I was wow. floored um, and then there's um, Madison Cunningham was really cool she's got like a really great really great new record out from last year um, Leanne La Havas is an incredible vocalist she actually just went on tour with Coldplay and opened for them as a solo acoustic guitar player wow. on stage in stadiums, wow. which was crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then, like, I, you know, I love kind of the indie stuff, like Lord Echo, and I do like some Tame Impala, and mm -hmm. um, I like some pop stuff on the radio, Dua Lipa, and all that kind of stuff. What about outside of music, uh, books or films or TV, anything firing you up recently? I actually just watched with Aaron for the first time. I'd never seen the Harry Potter series before. Oh, uh, uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> Let's just leave with that. What a brilliant... I, like, I'm not it's joking. Great. I know you're all laughing at me right now. But no, I for agree real, like, great. Those movies are amazing. Sure. Those movies are incredible. The um, I don't ever... We live in Orlando, but I never go to theme parks. Uh -huh. But my buddy... I want to go so bad. It's, if you liked Harry Potter, go to Universal and do all the Harry Potter World stuff. It's so fucking cool. Oh. It's so cool. I've heard it's so good. They're like the Hagrid's uh, uh, roller coaster, you're on a mo on his motorcycle. You, you physically hold... like You're in the, the roller coaster, you're holding the, the so handlebars. Fun. And then they just got a little sidecar. You can sit in the sidecar or you can hold the handlebars. And I liked it because I don't, I don't do roller coasters, but I'm not trying to die on one of those things. But, like, uh, I like the illusion of control, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm manning this ship right now, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, and then we watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is incredible. I'd never seen those before. Wow, it was fantasy kick. I, I'm like very, I'm like truly becoming my mother as I've gotten older. <laughs> I like legit love Star Trek Next Generation. Uh -huh. I live for Golden Girls. Like, I love all that stuff. Golden, Golden Girls. One of the finest shows in television history. I, yeah, I, um, what did I hear about that recently? I just thought that was funny how you were mentioning all these, like, fantasies and then you were like golden girls <laughs> i mean that is a fantasy getting to live with all your best friends in a house and like just living your good life also jeopardy yes okay i love a good jeopardy episode oh that's awesome well guys this has been such a pleasure thank you so much i really appreciate it super fun thank you yeah. and um i come to orlando please so yeah that'd be awesome coming up this year um the album comes out may 1st so we've got right. national dates that we're starting to announce now awesome more than we've ever done so this is everybody's chance to come check us out perfect <laughs> thank you so much guys thank Such you
Caitlin Crisco and Aaron Austin of the broadcast, y'all. Thank you so much for your time and energy, Caitlin and Aaron. Thank you for your beautiful music. Everybody, head on over to thebroadcastmusic.com for all things the broadcast. You can find all things the marinade at marinadepodcast.com. Give us a follow on social media. We're at Marinade Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Marinade underscore podcast on Instagram. Tell a friend about the show. Subscribe. Give us a rating on your podcast app. These are all free, painless ways you can really help us out. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just a few bucks a month, you can get exclusive content. Uh, For example, just about three or four days ago, I dropped a teaser of our conversation with the great Daryl Scott weeks before that episode will actually be released. Um, That kind of stuff is what we do over on Patreon. I also have uh, my Patreon-exclusive show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that have shaped my creative life, and we just interact a little bit more deeply with the show. So if you like what we're doing and, and can swing it, that would be awesome. If not, we just appreciate you listening and telling people about the show. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on, this segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. This probably isn't fair, but I'm going to gush about a couple of albums that have yet to be released. Um, I just mentioned Daryl Scott. His latest album is called Daryl Scott Sings the Blues of Hank Williams, which is going to be released later in April. Um, Daryl is just one of the all-time great songwriters, and he does an amazing job reinterpreting other people's songs, uh, and especially Hank's songs in this case, as blues tunes. Um, Just a fantastic record that I haven't stopped listening to. So be sure to check that out later this month and uh, look for that conversation with Daryl coming very soon. Another record that has been on heavy rotation is the new American Aquarium record, Lamentations. That comes out on May 1st. Uh, Our good friend BJ Barham just continues to grow as a songwriter, and I am really excited for y'all to hear this record. Um, I'm working on a written piece that will be up on marinadepodcast.com very soon about that record and just how powerful it is. Um, And then finally, the other record that I've been um, really just crazy about is Local Honey by Brian Fallon. Um, And the good news keeps on coming. I just recorded with Brian last week, so we got a lot of great stuff, y'all. We still have Matt Woods and Eden Archer. Those episodes are coming your way very soon, as well as the conversations with Daryl Scott and Brian Fallon. We love y'all. Please take care of yourselves. Continue to socially distance yourselves and stay home okay Um, and if you can create create if you can't please don't beat yourself up about it we're all just getting through this all right y'all until next time go out and create something cheers y'all